Hawks fans, welcome into the Four Feathers Podcast, little Hawks happy hour edition here. I'm Johnny Nani. Got Ron Luce alongside me. You have some big news today, Ron. How are you doing, my man, my man, first and foremost? Well, first and foremost, Johnny, I'll tell you what, I'm excited to talk some Blackhawks hockey. You know, there's a lot of, of crazy shit going on in the world. Um, so it, it's good to talk about the team that we love on the ice, because uh, let's be honest, we haven't had a lot to talk about lately. So it's actually it's actually exciting to have something that's uh, newsworthy to, right, to discuss. Right. Right, right, Ron. I think there's been a lot of like rumors in terms of players that might be on the move. We'll get to a little bit of that later in the show, but something a little more concrete from the reporters that always are uh, way out ahead of this first reported Frank Cervelli, Frank Spaghetti Meatballs, Daily Faceoff, uh, <laughs> reports Blackhawks will hire Luke Richardson, former Montreal Canadiens assistant coach, as the next head coach. And obviously the guy that the Blackhawks want to lead through the rebuild and grow with the team. Ron, um, obviously no official announcement from the Hawks here, but by all means in hockey terms, the way we see things go down, this has about 99.99% chance of being introduced early next week. Thoughts initially? Uh, initial thoughts, admittedly, didn't know a ton about the guy. The name rang a bell. I was like, Luke Richardson. I was like, why do I feel like I played it with him in like an NHL 0809 video game. And sure as shit, his, his last year in the league was 2008. So, um, I mean, hell, 21-year NHL defenseman, played a long time, you know, always a defensive stalwart on the blue line, um, you know, has a lot of coaching experience. I know you and I touched on it before uh, jumping on the show here. Four years as an AHL head coach, uh, a number of additional years as an NHL uh, bench assistant, um, so Johnny, overall initial quick thoughts before we dive into the details here, I am actually a fan of this hire. Yeah, no, I am too. I, I gotta say it, it's hard to know a lot about assistant coaches that haven't been former head coaches in the league run, mm-hmm. because guess what? There are a lot of guys that are around the league that you could go and dive into and maybe research, but then they don't even end up, you know, leaving their original team that they're from there. Okay. So we're talking about this and the Canadians are not a team that we play consistently. So it's not like, right. you know, a whole, whole lot about them. So I'm not going to go and sit on a, you know, podcast here and say, Oh yeah, I love this. You know, all these, you know, such a great guy and all that. It took yeah, some learning. So much it's gonna, about him. It, yeah. it's, I think, but I think that's the Blackhawk ex- experience here because a, they wanted to go fresh here. Um, I, I think that was evident by this because it could have very well uh, just kept along Derek King. If they did just want to bridge this thing through the rebuild, like we've seen some of our favorite Chicago baseball teams do right. Um, with the same manager uh, there, but um, <laughs> yeah. with, with this, obviously you're getting a coach who, has some experience, but not the head honcho in the league experience here. So that's one important thing to note. Um, you you had mentioned a few of those stops there. Most recently uh, with the Montreal Canadiens, as uh, we talked about, specializing, working in defenseman, being a former defenseman himself, um, as you're saying that. And then he was a head coach, though, at the AHL level uh, with, with uh, the Binghamton Senators four years there as well. Um my first reaction around, you know, trying to dive around and find some things, a, a term that we use on this, usually referring to our goalies, but um, calm, calculated, and very confident coach, according to hmm. the Habs' new bench boss, Martin St. Louis. So I thought that was interesting, Ron. He's cool, um, calm, and collected. Is that what I heard, Johnny? Pretty much. He said confident. <laughs> he used confident in there as confident, well, too. Yeah. So um, I do like hearing that, though. And obviously, I know Martin St. Louis is very, very brand spanking new uh, for those Montreal Canadiens up there. But um when you hear a review like that this is what you have to go off of and then other than that you're talking about uh defenseman that he worked with up there um 
both Ben Chirot and uh, Chris Weidman, veteran guy up there on the blue line for Montreal. I know they weren't very good this last year, but you got to remember, they went to the Stanley Cup final a year before this, and there was a COVID situation that required Luke Richardson to take over the bench during that Mm -hmm. playoff run. So I think that uh, gives him a taste there. I know it's a very small sample size, Ron, but at least it inspires a little more confidence here. Yeah, I would say so. I I think really overall the 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 beauty of it is he has a storied career in coaching, right? Like he's not some experiment. He's not some, you know, just guy that came out of nowhere. He's a guy that's been around the block, right? I mean, four years as an AHL bench boss, that's a lot of time as a bench boss, especially in AHL level. I mean, we've seen a lot of great coaches start their coaching careers at the AHL level. It happens all the time. And for him to be able to to learn from quite a few pretty notable head coaches that he was on the bench with, Claude Julian among those names, uh, obviously most recently with Martin St. Louis this past season. Um, you know, he's a guy that I think what's, what I like most about this, Johnny, is he's he's a new head coaching name. And it's not just they're recycling another name that's already been a head coach. And, you know, they they need to get some fresh blood. And I think that's good for the team to have a guy who maybe is a little newer, but he's had a very long coaching career, you know, but he's, this is, this is his first time he can get his feet wet with kind of a growing team as well. Um, And I I don't want to steal your thunder here, but as you put in our great rundown for us today, um, you know, they want him to grow with the team and grow this Blackhawks team. And that's a Kyle Davidson quote. That's not me. That's just mm-hmm. me repeating what Kyle Davidson sure. has previously said there. But yes, no, Ron, that, that's that's the goal. That's the objective here with that. And that accomplishes this. So in terms of checking your boxes internally as the Blackhawks there, boom, there you go. You got some experience. You got, I think, I mean, it probably wasn't required, but I think it's given the way that uh, the back end has looked over the past few years, I'm sure being a defensive-minded coach certainly helped things along there. Um, and then, like you had said, for the long term, the plans this isn't just a stopgap, like I kind of hinted at uh, previously, because there there is a way to do that. To they have that kind of like you know guy that's just there behind the bench for the rebuild, and then you go and get your guy right when you said right. it. Um, and that's not going to be the case here. They, they want him to grow with uh, the team, so that that's the setup here. And I mean, by all accounts, you know, I would not be shocked just with the bad hockey that's going to come up. There'll be a lot of questioning this higher early, Ron, especially um, in some of the rougher days of the rebuild that are going to be ahead. But um, I think it's one that now you're talking about this or organizational expectations. Obviously, everybody wants to get back, but they've done a good job of declaring what they want to do along the way and being honest with themselves and the fans mm-hmm. about what that timeline looks like. So in a way here. You just got a long, like, three to four year leash already off the bat, in my opinion. I don't know about you. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. You, he's definitely going to be given the opportunity to learn and make mistakes. And that's okay. Everybody needs a chance in order to grow. And a lot of times in that growth, guys are going to make mistakes. There's going to be things that, you know, he might come out and say, hey, I didn't coach well this game, or I did something that we should have done better, or this, that, and the other. Um, But I think that's good. I think that's good that he's growing with a young and inexperienced roster. I think something that I, I, when doing a little research on him, Johnny, that I I appreciated, uh, they noted that his first season in Binghamton, when when he joined as the AHL head coach there with the, uh, you know, the Binghamton Senators, He took a very inexperienced team and finished fourth in the Eastern Conference of the AHL in his first season as head coach. And I think that inspires some confidence just in the sense of him working with a team that 
is going to be young, just like this Blackhawks team is going to be in a lot of capacity, especially on the forward side of the house, maybe not so much on the blue line, uh, depending on what Kyle Davidson does this offseason and, you know, over the next two or three off seasons, but he's going to be able to, he's already worked with youth. He's already worked with young guys and he knows how to groom guys and get them to play. And honestly, I'll tell you what, Johnny, I think a, a thing that we can hang our hats on as Blackhawks fans, probably especially for the next two years, as long as this team is competing and they're in games, even if they're not winning games, that's at least the sign that his message is getting through to the players and that he's an effective coach when it comes to communication and developing his style on the ice. Right. And I think it, he can be a good communicator like that in the locker room, Ryan, just based on reviews of what I've heard from um, other coaches and, you know, a couple of those defensemen, um, like I just uh, alluded to a little bit earlier on here. But one thing that I did see the, uh, this was that he kind of describes himself as a quiet person. I think this is going to be a bit of a contrast here from uh, the Derek King that we saw at the mm -hmm. end of the year, because Derek King was pretty animated. Um, and I know he was, you know, just an interim guy thrown into a ridiculous role after an uh, abysmal start. Um, so it's going to be interesting because early on, I think fans are going to like, kind of be still used to that king mode maybe a little mm -hmm. bit if that makes sense and if he's just kind of more you know uh cut and dry by the book when he when he gives maybe some cliche answers when you ask him about after the game um a the reporters might hate it <laughs> and b uh us fans might not feel as enlightened i think that's a legitimate concern but at the same time it doesn't mean he's necessarily doing a bad job as long as that mm -hmm. communication gets through in the locker room and then fans have to be able to see that translate on the ice. Cause unfortunately we can't be flies on the wall in that locker room there at West exactly. street. And, and you know, what's funny too, Johnny is I'm already expecting it and I know it's going to happen, especially in the first like 25 games of next season. Somebody's going to compare him to Jeremy Colleton when it comes to how he responds to the media and shit. I just know it. And it's going to irk a lot of people because it's like, give the guy a chance. All right. Just because you went from a quiet head coach that nobody liked and had a lot of people have a sour taste in their mouth over to, like you said, a guy who was very vocal. We called, you know, the king shit here on four feathers. Um, you know, it, it's going to be an adjustment period for fans. But like you said, Johnny, honestly, he could he could answer every single question in a press conference the most cliche way possible. Yeah, pucks, but deep, if, pucks to the net. <laughs> yeah, pucks to the neck, pucks in deep, you know, play good defense, protect the house, you know, like, but it, but I'll tell you what, again, if that if you're seeing the effort on the ice and guys are responding well to him at the end of the day, that's all I give a shit about. I could care less if he's this animated, you know, loud head coach, as long as he's an effective head coach. I mean, there's plenty of quiet yeah. coaches around the league that are good head coaches. Right, and, and I think the way that we'll be able to determine is if guys don't look confused or lost for extended periods of time because those were two yes. hallmarks of you knew Jeremy Calden's message wasn't getting through. Correct me if I'm wrong there, Ron. No, uh, you are 100% correct. If Alex DeBrinkett doesn't have to grab a whiteboard and draw up a play by himself, I, I will feel <laughs> a lot better about Luke Richardson as head coach. <laughs> right, right. Okay, now that you brought up that name, though, obviously we, we don't need to go too, too far into the past year. But Ben Pope, uh, you know, obviously a Hawks beat reporter for the Chicago Sun-Times, brings up an interesting uh, just bit of commentary on the hire. And he says, okay, it's not surprising the Blackhawks went with the first time NHL head coach in Richardson, but I'm intrigued how they'll present him next week. It'll be important to differentiate him from Kaladin. We'll need to emphasize his NHL playing assistant coach experience, um, but portray him as a player's coach too much. And it'll raise questions of why not keep 
Derek King messaging will have to fall somewhere in between. I thought that was extremely interesting, Ron, and he, I think he is on in this. Um, and the Blackhawks usually do, I will say, do, do a fairly decent job when they're talking about you know introductions. I think they did the Kyle Davidson thing uh, pretty well, at least since the whole shitstorm happened from, from what we had early on in the season. Um, I, I think they will be able to do this here, but but it's interesting that even he brings that up here uh, in, in the presentation of it because um, – I just wonder what it's going to look like. We're probably not going to get an announcement, as he mentioned, until early next week with it being, you know, we're already on a Friday evening here with this news breaking. Um, what, what, any thoughts uh, on this and what the Blackhawks need to do PR-wise? Because we have talked about Blackhawks and what they need to do PR-wise a lot throughout this past season. Yeah, absolutely. I actually really like the quote there from Ben Pope and just I, I always greatly respect Ben Pope. I think we we as a, a podcast, I feel like even just in Twitter banter, have a pretty good relationship with a lot of the beat writers for the Hawks. You know, we've gone back and forth with guys like Charlie and guys like Ben, too. Uh, and I love hearing what Ben has to say, because I think he's an incredibly informed beat writer when it comes to just his sense of hockey and what the team is doing. And in this case, I kind of agree with him. I, I like that intrigue of what we have to expect and what we're going to see with this team as they introduce him. Because I really think that they've done a good job. Like Kyle Davidson has done as good job as being an open GM and communicating. And like you said earlier in the show, right? Communicating the expectations and what's going to happen to the fan base. And just quickly, I, I want to make note, another team that did that, that just made it to the Eastern conference final was the New York Rangers. They did the exact same thing. They announced a rebuild to their fans. They said it's going to suck for a few years, but believe in us and we'll get there. And guess what? They got there. They got it. They had a couple lottery picks, Capococco, Alex Lafreniere, and they got there, right? They built the right way. They built through the draft. They developed talent. They got some good guys like Adam Fox and, and Artemi Panarin to build around. Obviously, it really helps when you have a guy like Sheskerton to be your goaltender as well. Um but they got, they did it. They did a true rebuild and the Hawks are doing kind of that model. They're being honest, they're being open and they're being forward. Now, if Kyle Davidson and company get it right, great, but at least it's going to be refreshing. I think Johnny, when this team introduces Luke Richardson next week, I think they're going to be very straightforward about why they brought him in. And that's what I'm excited to hear. I'm, I'm curious to see if it's because of his defensive minded stature. I'm wondering if it's, Maybe there, you know, the, it is the the league wide opinion on him of people think he has what it takes to be a next great thing. I mean, again, you don't play 21 years in the NHL, especially as a defenseman, unless you know what you're doing when it comes to hockey. So I, I'm really intrigued to see it, Johnny. I, I really think it's going to be interesting to see how ultimately the PR is spun. But I am excited to hear. I think I think they are really going to emphasize the why. And I think that's something we're going to see that's completely different uh, than what we've seen for the last 10 years from the Blackhawks when it comes to PR. We're going to hear more of the why and not just the what. Right. With Kaladin, it was kind of just here it is. This is, yeah. you know, this is happening. Like that, that was kind of yeah. right, right, right. And, and it was served on a, uh, you know, piece of cardboard, not a silver platter, right? Um, <laughs> but with, with this, I agree with you. I think they should dive into the why. And the fans slightly, deserve a slightly, it. slightly stained and, piece of cardboard, too. Right. And, and the, the fans deserve the why, though, Ron. And I yes. think that's the biggest thing. And we shouldn't sell ourselves short here because I think a lot of people, there's, I don't want to like get into this like too, too early, but there are already rebuild apologists that will just let anything fly because they've announced their intentions and this and that. Well, I hear some stuff that I don't like already that we're going to cover coming up here. So we deserve this fair explanation. And yes, you, you know what? Guess what? 
they do have to sell it to us. So that, that's why I just wanted to bring it up. And I, like I said, I'm willing personally uh, to, you know, give some leeway in terms of obviously on ice things. I know how rebuilds work. You and I have both suffered through them with our baseball team. So we, we do understand the, the process of like, you know, the results not looking how you want for a while, but there are things that you can look for within there. And um, obviously stripping it down to the studs, as we've seen in the past, isn't always the exact answer. So obviously we've covered a lot on head coaching front here, but the next question becomes what will Luke Richardson actually have to work with Ron? And this is where I want to get into Alex to trade rumors. Obviously this same, uh, you know, Frank, uh, Cervelli, who reports the um, you know news of the um, head coach hiring that the Blackhawks will make here uh, earlier, a couple weeks ago, drops the Alex Dabrinkit as his number one trade target. All right, let's break this down first really quick. And A, this is Frank saying his trade targets. He didn't have an actual quote from the Blackhawks front office saying they're moving it. Guess what? Mm-hmm. Further down the list, when you're talking about JT Miller, he actually had the Canucks assistant GM on the Daily Faceoff podcast talking about we'll know more about JT and we're evaluating options. And there was nothing like that. He just looked at these factors and said, oh, well, the Brinkett will be middle-aged by NHL standards by the time uh, the Blackhawks are ready to compete again. He said, oh, that contract is only one year and they could get the value back for him. Uh, he's the most movable piece to kickstart this thing. Okay, those are your circumstantial factors, but you don't actually have an in, at least that you reported, he didn't include it. I'm sure he would have if he did, right? Mm-hmm. And he's not including that. But either way, that sets the hockey Twitter world ablaze, at least Blackhawks Twitter world, Ron. And I'm immediately appalled by this because this is a guy you hang on to and build around. What are your thoughts? Absolutely, you hang on and build to him, Johnny. And I, I think that's why it was so appalling to a lot of fans, right? Because we sit here and we look at the construction of this roster right now. And we touched on it at the end of the season with Tony. I think you and I almost made Tony cry when we said that Jonathan Taves probably isn't a Blackhawk um, by the end of next season. So this team's going to look vastly different over the next two to three seasons. But one thing that doesn't just grow on trees, Johnny, in the NHL, and you and I know damn well, is goal scoring. Especially a guy who can put up 40 goals regularly, is developing into a pretty nice two-way player, and has shown leadership qualities on your team. Why do you trade virtually the only pick unless you are offered an absolute king's ransom? That would be the only way in my brain that I could justify moving a guy like Alex Dabrinkit. Again, he's only 24. He's only going to get better. And if that's the case... To me, getting better means he's going to be a 50-goal scorer, not a 40-goal scorer, which he's already done twice in his career. I mean, it it would be absolutely bananas for him to be moved. I I don't understand why it would make sense. I think it was truly low-hanging fruit in a quite quiet offseason so far, I think, by NHL standards, that you know teams are just trying to like, hey, maybe they will because it's a new regime. Kyle Davidson was in this organization when they drafted Alex to bring it. You don't right. think he had some say in why they probably wanted to bring it. I just, I don't understand why they would want to trade him, Johnny. And I'll be completely honest with you. I think if they do, they're making a massive mistake. Yeah, I agree. And Ron, I just think it's so ridiculous because I look at him and there's a long, great, it was a great uh, long read on NHL.com, the Blackhawks official website. And it talked about, it was called the A-Team. Granted, this is released, you know, much earlier uh, during the 2021-22 season here, Mm -hmm. but it was called the A-Team and it featured building blocks for the future. When you're talking about A's, alternate captains, 
Connor Murphy, and Alex Dabrinkit. And he really emphasized the Cats' leadership and growth and why he gets the A and all of that kind of stuff. I just, like, not that that alone means that he absolutely stays. Obviously, there are business decisions to be made. But at the same time, that gives you the gist. The organization is putting out from their own media department that they're going to build around this guy. Then I fully expect that to happen. I don't care about the changes that happen later in the season. This is about an on-ice thing. This is not about, you know, we are talking about pieces in place here and when you're talking about these pieces in place you, you had said it very well that goal scoring is not easy to come by here uh so i since i think it's so ridiculous even entertaining the thought trading him here i'm gonna go a little bit ridiculous with the reference here you remember the family guy clip with early seasons <laughs> when, when peter has the choice between a free boat and a mystery box mm-hmm. and peter's intrigued by the mystery box because oh my he's oh yeah 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 he's like, it's like well the mystery box could be anything it could, be, it could be even be a boat. Well, that's how I look at these Alex Dabrinkit trade offers, right? Oh, <laughs> wow. We, you could either have a 40-goal score or you could have the mystery box. Mystery box includes a couple picks, includes, you know, whatever, maybe a young, mm-hmm. young forward. It could even be a 40-goal score. We've always wanted a 40-goal score. Well, guess what? You fucking have one right now. Just keep it. <laughs> keep it and re-sign it. Yeah. Well, and Johnny, I love that you said re-sign it because I, I want to build off of that. They're going to have money to spend. Yeah. You have $21 million of cap space coming off your books after next season because Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane's eight-year deals expire. The only player that makes substantial money, and I will call substantial money really anything above $5 million, uh, really the only two players that are going to make anything in that neighborhood going into that following season are Seth Jones on that $9.5 million monster contract and Tyler Johnson, who's only got like one more year after that at $5 bucks. So you're they're going to have the cap space, even with the Connor Murphy extension, which to your point about the A's, I believe that was Kyle Davidson's first move as actual GM was extending Connor Murphy and giving him that $4.4 million a year contract extension, or at least it was one of the first moves. And, you know, that that shows that they're trying to build and set up this future. I would be hard-pressed to think. I think there's honestly a good chance that if Kyle Davidson really believes in, in building around a guy like Alex Debrinkit, that Alex Debrinkit has a contract extension in place before the season starts. Right. Yeah, like I, I just when we go back to this, it seemed it always seemed before any of this stuff got ruffled up around early in the offseason, it always just kind of seemed given, right? We didn't right. have to really pay attention to it too much. Sure, at the trade deadline, maybe there was like a little bit of rumblings here and there, but obviously then you see it doesn't move. So I think that's kind of what put it to rest when you're talking about the perception of the Blackhawks from Blackhawks fans of what how the Blackhawks themselves view Alex to break it. So we all kind of, you know, we got put to rest on that and rightfully so as we should be, because I think he should be around here for a long time. Um, and then now this gets ruffled up. You know what? Maybe it's a ploy uh, by daily faceoff. Yeah, I will say Frank does a great job of breaking some news there, but you know what? I- I'm going to call just a little bit of BS on him there. Uh, and I think that people were interpreting his trade targets as trade rumors, right? Mm-hmm. That's 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 what I'm going to go and chalk this up to you, Ron, uh, because I would be shocked if Alex Rinkett isn't in an in Indian head sweater for the next decade, close to close to it. Seriously, Absolutely. I swear to God. It's- and especially, Johnny, I, I, I know it's a point that you had in our rundown as well, and I think it's worth mentioning. Why would you try and piss off Patrick Kane again if this guy right. has already almost almost come out and said that he wants to be a Blackhawk his entire career. Why wouldn't you want a guy like Patrick Kane around he, for the rebuild? He needs his partner in crime. And Hell yeah. since you already traded away one of those in Artemi Panarin, mm-hmm. you have another one that he's finally developed that chemistry with. 
Um, granted, I mean, they always played well together, but when they're really talking about a one-two punch and them slinging that baby back and forth, knowing exactly where each other is going to be uh, when you're talking about cross-seam passes and whatnot, he's really they've really finally figured it out, especially over this past year. You saw it so many times. Um, why would you want to go and upset that? And then you're talking about, I mean, I think we all kind of like can feel the writing on the wall when it comes to Jonathan Taves. And we talked about that on our last episode um, when we did our season eulogy. But with Patrick Kane, it's he himself has, has come out and said that he, you know, w- would like to spend the rest of his career in Chicago, uh, mm-hmm. as you just alluded to. So in order to facilitate that, you can also bolster your team for the future by guaranteeing cats around and in the mix. And I still, by the time, the, sure, you go through a rebuild, even if it is, say it even is three years of sucking, Ron, he's still going to be a good player by the end of it. That's he's, what I can't get. It'd be one thing if he was like, you know, 30, like, okay, he's, what, he's 24 right now. Okay, maybe yeah. if he was like 32 right now. Yeah, yeah. no, that, that's a totally different Ooh. story. But we're going to be he's going to be hitting his prime when this team starts to compete again. That's crazy again. to think about. Yeah, yeah, because like, look at Patrick Kane. If you look at his career stats. They the the general rule is that a a a human person's peak is between the ages of physically is between the ages of 28 and 32 years old, especially in athletic standards. Alex DeBrink is going to be hitting his prime at the point when the Hawks are starting to compete again. Like, look at what Patrick Kane did from age 28 to 32. He won an MVP, won an Art Ross. Like he he became a better player in that time, and he's still doing it. I don't care that he's 33. He just had 92 points this past season on a terrible Hawks team. Like the guy's still a great player. He's probably going to be an effective player well into his mid to late thirties. Alex DeBrink, it's just going to be hitting his prime when this team's competing again and has talent. Why wouldn't you want a guy who's already a perennial 40 goal scorer at that point might be a 50 goal scorer. Why wouldn't you want that on your team to build around? Especially, especially when you add in, the leadership qualities, especially when you add in the fact he is developing a two-way game. He's not just a shooter. Yeah. He's a complete uh, hockey player. Why wouldn't you want that around? It's just absolutely mind-boggling to think of number 12 being in literally any other jersey than the Indian head, like you said, for the next decade plus. Right. It, I think you summed it up there perfectly, Ron. I will. My last line, I will go back to it once again. I don't care how ridiculous it is. You can have, either have Alex it, what you know right now, or you can have the mystery box. It could be an even Alex it equivalent. It could be. <laughs> Keep Alex to bring it, Kyle Davidson. Don't overthink it. Just do it, and just you know, you can tinker other ways. Yes. The roster. There's other. There's other things you can uproot. There's a few defensemen that I'm sure we will be talking about when it comes trade rumors here in, in a couple of weeks, Ron. Mm-hmm. I, I legitimately think that though that would be your place to go and move if you're going to chip away at some other things here. But Alex to bring it, don't mess with it. That's all I'll leave it at. But we started this whole segment here as talking about what will Luke Richardson have to work with here. And that was just one of them because that's a big piece, especially we're talking leadership guys to lead through the rebuild here. Well, um, let's go to the uh, back end of the ice, Ron, and, and talk about the defenseman since Luke Richardson himself being a defensive minded coach, a former defenseman himself for 21 years in the NHL. What's he going to have to work with here? Obviously, the ones we know, Seth Jones, Connor Murphy. Jake McCabe, those guys are locked up. Now, McCabe could be a part of some trade rumors, potentially. Sure. We'll see. But given Connor Murphy's kind of concussion issues, I think that removes him his name from the trade block sort of things. And obviously, we know Seth Jones, Albatross is here. Talking about the youths. Uh, youths, I'll still consider Riley Stillman in this because he is. You know, people don't realize he is as young as he is. Um, but so Riley Stillman, Alec Regula, Alec Vlasic, and possibly Caleb Jones if they do choose to re-sign him Um 
I think that bodes well for him having his brother already locked up long term. So um, he's a possibility there. Then you got Hogs guys, uh, Ian Mitchell, Nicholas Bodine, Isaac Phillips. Sure, I'm missing a couple of names in here, Ron. But what do you think Luke Richardson can impart on some of these guys, both veteran and young guys? I think, Johnny, what he's going to bring the most to some of these young guys is just that defensive defenseman ability. That's what he was as a player. He's going to be able to instill some of those values. I, again, in order to play 21 years as an effective defensive defenseman, you need to be good at positioning. You need to be good at understanding the right time to make a hit and when not to make a hit, how to block shots, how to do the little things as a defenseman that makes your goalie's life easier. And that's something that this Hawks blue line core as a whole for the last five, six years has struggled with. You know, you have, yes, you have Connor Murphy, who's, very much that guy was toward the top of the league and blocked shots. Jake McCabe can very much be that type of player as well. And I think he, I think those two bring a good defensive defenseman veteran presence. I think he could help Seth Jones be a better defensive defenseman, to be honest with you. And I think he's going to really bring a lot of that to some of these rookie guys, especially guys like Ian Mitchell, especially guys like Alec Regula, especially guys like, um, like Vlasic, who arguably are probably pillars for the future in the eyes of this Blackhawks front office. Still a bit raw for molding too, you know? Absolutely. And I think he's, and I think he's going to thrive with that because not to shoot shots at anybody, but like Ben Sherratt is a good NHL defenseman. Ben Sherratt fetched a first round pick at the trade deadline for the Montreal Canadiens because he played so well. And the Florida Panthers wanted to add him for their cup run. And that goes a long way. That, that absolutely means a lot as an, or as a, you know, a defensive head coach. And I think a guy he might lean on a lot in the organization, just to keep an eye on, this is just kind of something I thought of now, is Brian Campbell. I think we we right. see a lot of Brian Campbell become a big piece of developing a lot of these young guys on the blue line. You get two NHL veterans like that who thrived and had great careers to work with some of these young guys. And and, and Johnny, I think you know it, it's something, I've, ironically, that myself and, and Juice talked about on Cubs on Tap was – the reason this Cubs team sputtered out was because there was no development once these guys got to the major league level. Uh, for a lot of these NHL guys, for the Hawks, it's been the same thing. They never developed beyond what they were when they got to the NHL level. I think a guy like Luke Richardson can take some of these guys and elevate them that higher. I think Luke Richardson could be a big reason that Ian Mitchell finally fulfills his potential yes. that was seen for the last three, four years. Right. And I kind of like keyed in on some of the young guys there, especially as you're talking about that, because I said, you know, raw for the molding, it's clay and Luke Richardson has a chance to not that they have to be exact clones ah. and disciples of Luke Richardson, but it, it is right. getting these guys to be responsible NHL defensemen. Um, I, I'm so, very interested to see what, you know, a possible system will look like because, um, you know, people really, really despise whenever you heard the word system coming from mm -hmm. Jeremy Colladin, right? Um, Believe that in the system, John. Right, Ugh. and I, I think <laughs> I think this will, uh, you know, obviously Jeremy Collin, not a very experienced uh, NHL player. He did have some, but nothing nearly compared to uh, Luke Richardson. So I trust his just innate hockey ability and sense uh, from playing all of those years to be able to put together a better system there. But when you're talking about some individual players here, really interested about Al Vlasic because they, you know, had him up for a while at the end of last season. I think they really want this guy, um, given his size, to just be able to jump right in. And who knows? I'm not saying that excludes a possible stint in Rockford here. And sure, it was a kind of later season development there. 
we already knew it was, you know, we're kicking off the rebuild here. That, that We already right. knew where, where it stood. But I think he's a guy that they want to fast track a little bit more. And sure, it, it'll be okay for a guy like Ian Mitchell now that the timeline is what it is. Uh, and now that we know when we're expecting to kind of really rise here. Um, so it, it's a little bit more okay. And you can let Ian Mitchell grow into his game and make mistakes uh, without it being really costly when you're like talking about, you know, or standings point that you're clawing for. Um but with a guy like Alex Flask, I just think that'll be interesting um, to, you know, just kind of monitor uh, with, with him and uh, how, you know, how much he still stays up here and plays. Um, I'm just kind of intrigued by that. A guy I really liked at the end of last season, Alec Regula. Um, I thought he was making strides on his own. And I'm, don't get me wrong. I don't need to, I'm not trashing the past, um, you know, coaching staff, but it wasn't something permanent, right? They were just kind of trying to give him pointers on the fly is the way that I kind of looked at that um, mm-hmm. is because there was no kind of certainty that those guys would all be around um, future. And guess what? They're pretty much not. <laughs> we were talking yeah. about the coaching staff being gutted uh, and replaced here. So he was already doing that on his own there. So I'm excited to see him with a more kind of set mold uh, in place. You're talking about Alec Regula. Now, I talked about the young guys there. I don't want it to restrict a guy like Seth Jones there. Sure, you could make him a better defensive defenseman. But, Ron, one of my biggest gripes this past year is that I want to see more production from Mr. Mm -hmm. Seth Jones if you're paying him that much. And I don't care if it's a rebuilding year. I don't care. When you're getting paid that kind of money, we expect the results. And that that, that's just – I'm sorry. Maybe it's unfair and maybe it's, you know, it's not your fault that you just got handed this large sum of money. Well, guess what? This is Chicago. Us sports fans are going to expect things from your star, your big money players, right? Think about Absolutely. the disappointment in Jason Hayward uh, yeah. on the north side of town, right? Yeah, great even example. Though Cubs, even though the Cubs aren't in a position to compete right now, people are very upset with Jason Hayward. They're upset with the you know handling of Jason Hayward there. Well, guess what? Seth Jones, I, you don't, you, you can't just sit back and be a defensive defenseman for me. So um, that's one area in which I think it'll be interesting to see how those two kind of styles clash with Luke Richardson himself being more of a, um, uh, you know, defensive defenseman mm-hmm. in, in his day. Now that doesn't mean his philosophy will necessarily be totally geared towards that. I'm sure he sure. has an understanding of the modern NHL game. It's changed since he has been, you know, last waist up skates uh, in right. the NHL, but he's got to be able to let those guys that have that talent do it, Ron. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't want to see guys confined to a system because we saw a plethora of issues like that when it came to Jeremy Colladin. Absolutely. And I think that's something that we will see, right? Because, Look at some of the guys that Luke Richardson was was coaching in all of his stops, right? In Montreal, uh, you know, and, and even some of his time before that, right? His time in Columbus and some of these other places that he played. He played with some pretty good NHL defensemen that were offensive guys in his playing day. I, I think you're I think he is knowledgeable enough of the game to hey, just because he wasn't an offensive defenseman, I think he knows when it's time to let a guy like Seth Jones be Seth Jones. And maybe that benefits Seth Jones because he knows who plays well off of Seth Jones and partners him with the right guys as well that allows Seth Jones to be Seth Jones. And I think that's something um, that he brings to the table that we're going to see a lot of just because of his knowledge of the blue line, despite his playing style when he was a player not being the same as a guy like Seth Jones. Right. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm excited for training camp uh, to, to get underway and some preseason games, just get the first taste of it because you just won't know yeah. until you see the product on the ice. You can say all these sweet nothings into the microphone, right? It's, it's really, it's oh, really right. easy during press conferences, <laughs> you know, whatever, but 
you're not really going to know as a fan until you get first taste of it. Cause you know, you're not going to be at every single practice. You know, you know, you can only attend a certain limited number of them during training camp. Mm-hmm. They have the one little like session, but it's not a full, like, you know, it's a scrimmage, but it's, they're not trying to kill each other. So you're not really going full balls to the wall there. You're not going to know, not really going to know uh, until kind of late September, early October rolls around, around Ron. So that's kind of part of the intrigue, the mystery of it, at least, uh, you know, you get a few months, good grace here and some time for the Blackhawks to type them up. So we'll be interesting to see. Um, last comment. We talked a little bit about defensemen there, obviously with Luke Richardson himself being a former defenseman uh, in charge of defensemen in his assistant stop um, previously, but we're talking about forwards here, man, if you need some on ice leadership to help you kind of through that there, all the more reason to keep the cat and cane together, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Might as well. I mean, then there's a lot of people too, right? Especially with, with the ideology that Jonathan Taze probably does move on pa- after this season. There's a lot of rumblings already that people believe that Alex DeBrinkett is the next captain of the Chicago Blackhawks. If you already have, again, boat, mystery box that could be a boat. Alex DeBrinkett could be Alex you keep Alex to bring it. And just like your name tag says here, Johnny on the live stream, don't trade the cat, yeah. be smart, keep him in Chicago as long as you humanly can, because he's going to be more valuable to this team than the what ifs and hypotheticals that you would potentially trade him for. Yep. Right. I'm right there with you. I, I went for my mystery box reference. I'm glad you brought it up too, because that is seriously <laughs> the best way I can explain it. It's it, a great, it's a great it, analogy. I sometimes, <laughs> sometimes family guy gets the job done when you need to get a point across. <laughs> right. So I'm, I'm glad it did here, but that's uh, kind of our breakdown here. When you're talking about what will Luke Richardson uh, have to work with here? Um, like I said, we won't really know, know what that kind of is employed like until late September. Early October, can't wait. But until then, uh, we'll try to keep you entertained here on the Four Feathers Podcast. We appreciate everyone for tuning in. Uh, Four Feathers Podcast is presented by ONTAP Sportsnet. So make sure you're visiting ONTAPSportsnet.com for all your Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs. Give us a follow on social media at Four Feathers Pod and at ONTAP Sportsnet. Ron, it was great getting on here, talking some Hawks happy hour with you here on a Friday evening. We've got our baseball shows to cover. Oh, that's right. I'm on Sox on tap, rounds on Cubs on tap, uh, over at ONTAP Sportsnet as well. So we're going to get into that. Uh, we appreciate you listeners tuning in for us. Ron, give me a final thought, and then before we skate on out of here. Johnny, uh, we're getting dangerously close to the fun of the offseason. GM Ron gets to go into, into full summer hockey mode soon, and I am absolutely excited. Uh, it's going to be an interesting offseason. It's the first for Kyle Davidson as GM. He's going to have his new head coach. Let's see what this team starts to shape up into when uh, when they take the ice at the UC again this fall. Yeah, I'm very intrigued for the offseason as well, Ron. It will be interesting because of just the uh, stage that they're in early on yes. in this rebuild, right? And who do you sign? Who are you looking for guys that are possibly just flip candidates? Who are guys that you could sign and use as a piece for long term? We very interesting. We'll keep you updated here at Four Feathers Pod and on tapsportsnet.com. So until next time, Ron, let's go Hawks. Let's go Hawks. <laughs>